Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, Episode 7 for Friday 9th July 2010. Rick Astley makes my day. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Moo.com. The home of the finest custom business cards, mini cards, postcards and much more. For more information and for details of exclusive promotional offers, browse to thisweekinlotus.com. Moo. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of This Week in Lotus. I'm Stuart McIntyre and this is the weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Once again we've got a packed show today lined um, lined up and featuring an informed and expert panel drawn from the community discussing the latest news and topics of debate surrounding the Lotus brand. As usual we have uh, Darren Duke, my co-host, joining us today. Hi there Darren. Hello Stuart, how are you? Yeah, I'm good thank you. How, how are you today? Uh, well, it's been an interesting week. Let's just leave it there for now, and we'll talk about the week later on. You mentioned end of quarter last week. That's done and dusted now. What sort of happens in the week following the end of quarter? All of the IBM has gone holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and do you get to uh, go on holiday? No. Uh, no, we, 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 we kick straight back into gear. As I, I, I guess what we would consider a small business owner in the US, um, I maybe get 10 minutes off a year. <laughs> We'll ask Lisa about that, see if that's true. It's true. She'll tell you it's true. Yeah, we had an interesting podcast last week uh, talking about some of the, the latest things that were going on, particularly around the videos in the um, in the community, and, and there were a couple that, that were mentioned. Um, there's been some sort of debate following on from that, hasn't there, Darren? Yeah, yeah, there has. Um, you know, I think Stefan Whistle was, was maybe a bit, upset about what what we done and i think it was a bit taken out of context and i, I know we tried to rectify that literally in seconds after his blog post went out you you had commented that that was not the intent um and and i think you know that's where it stands and and certainly i'd like to apologize to Stefan. it wasn't our intent to suggest he'd created the um the video i think in the podcast that i mentioned that i wasn't sure who'd created it um and uh you know to kind of leave that open but uh, it'll be interesting to find out whether anybody does ever hold their hand up as, as creative it certainly raised a few interesting points that video so it'd be good to know who was behind it one day and and one of the robots sounded australian <laughs> just, i'm just saying he sounded australian <laughs> Excellent. Well, I wanted to mention, Darren, while we're chatting, um, a couple of promos that are going on over at the um, thisweekinlotus.com site. Uh, firstly, there's $30 off a combination of Michael Sampson's new book, uh, User Adoption Strategies, and also his Lotus Roadmap report from earlier this year. I know uh, both of us have been looking at that book now, and it's certainly got some, some interesting tips in it for um, people interested in Lotus collaboration and social software. So that, Yeah, that, I, I think... Go on. I, I think anybody in the collaboration space, no matter what platform you use, needs to read the book. It's a very interesting read on what works and how much it works and what doesn't. So that so that combo is uh, 49 US dollars um, and you can order through Michael's site. There's a link on that blog post. We also have a competition to win a copy of Michael's book going on at the moment. And uh, basically by the end of today, uh, we'll award the book to um, the best tweet that features the uh, hashtag This Week in Lotus. Um, so feel free to, to put some tweets out there and we'll choose the best one and, and send the book off to the person that, that tweeted that. Uh, the last promo really is is 10% off your first order with Moo.com. Um, again, if you go to thisweekinlotus.com slash Moo, uh, you can get all the details of that there. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest panellists this week. First up, we have Ben Paul, uh, coding guru at Lo London Developer Co-op, uh, obviously in the UK, presenter at user group meetings, um, developer of Domino Wiki, which is in the news this week. We'll be discussing that a little bit later on. And um, a key blogger as well, of course. How are you, Ben? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's a lovely, hot, sunny day here in uh, England for once. And uh, so it's good to be sitting indoors on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'll get outdoors afterwards. So uh, thank you very much for taking time out to join us today. Uh, Pleasure. Also, also, we have with us Cathy Brown. Hi there, Cathy. Hello. 
Hello, you're of course a Notes and Domino de developer. I think you're based in Boston, is that right? Outside of Boston, New Hampshire. Okay. It's all the same, you know, outside the US, so. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful area of the world, that's for sure. Um, I know you as a nerd girl and a, a runner and many other things that come through your blogging. Um, interesting to ask you about the nerd girl movement, actually. How's that progressing at the moment? Um, it's good. It's good. We're having some little mini informal nerd girl gatherings in the last uh, last week and this week, and uh, but it's going well. Skype chat, LinkedIn group, all kinds of good stuff. Okay. If if any female listeners are, uh, on this uh, podcast are, are interested, how should they get in touch with with you nerd girls? Um, probably the best way is if you if you know us on LinkedIn or want to contact us on LinkedIn and then uh, go from there. Okay. Brilliant. And our final guest this week is Chris Miller, uh, Mr. I Do Notes, of course, um, works for hosting company Connectria, uh, blogger and podcaster and many other things besides. How are you, Chris? Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm waking up. Yeah, good. <laughs> what time early. is it with you this morning? Uh, one. No, it's, uh, it's only six. It just seems early. I don't get up this early usually. And of course, just back from the World Cup as well. How was that? <laughs> That that was uh, an incredible experience. Everything's online because everyone keeps asking where, but an amazing experience, something that you can't pass up. It was uh, We saw 10 games. Carl and uh, Andy stayed on to see a couple more. They're actually going to see the finals now. Brilliant. But, uh, yeah, two, I was 16 days there, an amazing experience in South Africa. We covered five stadiums across uh, three or four cities. Wonderful. Okay, tremendous experience. Did you bring back a Vuvuzela? Uh Five. <laughs> I brought back five of Uzelas. Uh You could see, you could see one in the video I put up the other day. But uh, yeah, five of them, and uh, I believe Andy has three or four at least, if not more. Carl has a couple, and uh, they're all different colors and shapes. And so everyone knows they're made of plastic, so everyone gets the idea. They're, it's just a simple made in China plastic horn is all they are, wrapped up with different colors and banners. It's you have to it's all you blowing there's nothing else about it and the b flat is just the shape of the horn so imagine you know about 70,000 people blowing those at once in a stadium in a reverberating tone we felt the whole stadium shaking do you think it makes the atmosphere better in the stadium um it definitely makes it more interesting due to the fact one the noise two getting bonked in the head profusely by people <laughs> with them uh it it adds a little bit to it because the tone and the loudness is based on the play of the field and the players have to get used to it. And you could, you know, you know, it must be a big difference for some that have never experienced it. The noise is overwhelming outside the stadium. And when you get in, it's just incredible. Amazing. Amazing. Well, one day I hope to make it out to a world cup. So uh, I think the plan is, well, well, certainly England are trying to get it in 2018. So uh, it'll be great if it does come here. So well, look, look at the next location, Brazil. Just think Brazil. about that. 2014 yeah. Brazil. You're going to head out there. Uh, we actually met some people, um, a guy that runs a marketing thing from Brazil, and have already started that thought. Oh, maybe we should have a Lotus community trip out there. We'll have to see. Yes. So, so let's move on to the news. And as usual, we're going to run through uh, some of the major topics that have come out through Planet Lotus and other Lotus news outlets this week. And just, just have a bit of a discussion about what they mean to the community and, and to us individually. So first up this week, um, there was a IBM News uh, press release that came out. All about IBM being named worldwide market share leader in social platform software, which is a little bit of a wordy title, basically suggesting that based on revenue, uh, IDC recognise IBM as being the leader in the uh, social marketplace. Um, Chris, you're you're well known as somebody who's very interested in social technology. Do, do, do you see this as being, um, you know, something that that customers are going to be interested in? Do you think it's a fair review of, of who's leading the marketplace? Well, you got to define who the customer is. If it's an enterprise, yes. If it's a normal user, no. I mean, this means nothing to a normal user because they're not using in the in the wild, in the public wild, we should say, not enterprise. They're not going to use connections on their own, right? That's not how you connect to other people that are friends, family, outside your business, outside your environment, uh, partners, customers. It's not really built for that. It's built for your enterprise. But now if you're looking for an enterprise solution and you're looking at like social text and jive and connections, then, yeah, it's based upon their growth as well as what they're reporting from IBM. So we don't know where they get these numbers from, you know, in terms of reporting. And we don't know where they get this revenue figure from, this $369 million last year, uh, where they get that from either. Is that from the study or from the people providing the software? They don't really say that. It's really hard to tell, isn't it? As you say, it's just not specified in the press release. 
Uh, it does mention that over 35% of Fortune 100 companies have adopted IBM technology in this area. So, again, I guess that points towards it being very much an enterprise bias, uh, which I guess isn't unusual based on, on IBM's sort of previous success in, in technology. Um, Darren, do you do you see this planning out in the in the customers you work with? Of a good number of them adopted, say, quicker in connections. Yeah, and I actually used the IDC thing yesterday. Um, at a customer, we were demoing a profiles piece of connections too, and this is not historically been a load of shop. So, I actually think it's a it's a pretty good thing. Again, when 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 you live by the quadrants and you die by the quadrants, and while this isn't IDC and not Gartner. You've got to be careful because if, if all you sell is we have a leader and then all of a sudden you're not, you might have a bit of a conversation to have. But it, it, it is true. You know, I think connections provides, which I think is what they're talking about. Connections would pr provides organizations, you know, seven really different mini applications. And I don't think the other guys can do that. So many and, and, and so easy to use and migrate across. And, and well, let me so ask, Stuart, let me ask you, do you idea. find like it surprising it. they don't mention Domino on their social software page? I do and I don't really. I, th I think it's surprising for any customers that are running Domino that, you, um, that, that they're not including that because clearly it can play a very big part in the social space, particularly with things like IdeaJam and IQJam. But at the same time, I think IBM very clearly defined their social business based around their, their own business unit headed by Jeff Schick. Um, as being the connections and Lotus Live piece. Uh, I mean, does it surprise you they don't include it? I mean, they haven't mentioned well, Quicker in that report either. Well, yeah, they do. Well, actually, they do. If you look at the link of what Lotus calls social software, it takes you to a uh, Lotus category network group, and it has connections, the IBM mashup, Quicker, the Quicker content integrator. Uh, it has the social network with you on your BlackBerry client. As you said, all this stuff, mainly the quicker content, you know, you can do inside of Domino has web-based interfaces. You can use your uh, BlackBerry for accessing content as well as accessing mobile sites, as well as accessing email, as well as accessing same time. Uh, the mashup center is what the notes client is supposed to be, right? A mashup of composite applications as well as quicker, as well as drag and drop from the file system. And then connections is integrated into notes as well. So I would consider them all one big piece of the puzzle. I guess this goes back to the debate we were having a couple of weeks ago around a Domino as an application development platform and, and whether IBM makes a big enough play of the fact that so many great apps are built on Domino. Yeah, exactly. It's the same, it's the same idea. It's what you use the platform for, not what the name of it is. And a lot of places use it just as email, and then a bunch of places use it as their workflow, as their document storage and repository, i.e. what could be quicker, which is only web-based and drag-and-drop through your, you know, your OS level. A lot of this already exists as social software in the enterprise, and they consider same-time integration and presence a key part of their domino investment and do not call it part of social software. is kind of silly, actually. It would actually grow their numbers. Word. And Kathy, you work for a customer. Do you think this kind of report makes a big difference to people that make decisions in your business in terms of what, what social software solution they might go for? Um, well, you know, obviously, uh, I'm one I'm one customer out of many, but these we don't even notice. Well, I mean, honestly, you know, we recommendations that are made to my company are going to come from people like me going to Lotusphere or talking to other people and, and learning about products that way. It's not going to be because we saw some link somewhere about some study or something. You know, it's just that that's not that's not going to sell us. Yeah, and I think that's right. And that was something that came up yesterday in, in terms of, you know, the relative number of, of click-throughs on Planet Lotus for a report like this, which clearly IBM see is a very big deal versus some of the more flippant type um, posts that go on Planet Lotus. And maybe it doesn't get the attention it deserves. But I, I guess the great thing about Planet Lotus is it's a realistic view of what people click through to. So perhaps we, we can't be surprised by that. Uh, I mean, Ben, do you do you follow this kind of, of IDC report? Has it got any value to, to you as a developer? Uh, to me as a developer, um, there's very, very little value um, purely because I'm either dealing with very big clients who are just engaged on a project and that's all they care about, um, or some of the smaller clients may well be using um, Domino and all the rest of it, but but it's not even on their radar, this kind of thing. I think a lot of the... Uh, reports, whether they're sourced from vendors, independent analysts, whoever they are, come into their own when an organization is looking to, um, they're actually thinking about their platforms, their software, their systems. And 
these reports tend to get used as either ammunition or yeah, uh, or supporting kind of documentation for a decision. Because to be honest, you can go out there and look for a report that will <laughs> that will support just about any position you care to take on pretty much anything. Um, and, and certainly, my experience in the past where there's been a sort of strategic rethink of a of an entire um, way of working or a platform or whatever it is in your organisation, that's when these reports come into play. Um, so it's more a, a kind of oh, I remember there was a report done two months ago let's go and dig it out rather than actually taking them on board as and when they come out and making something of them certainly that's my experience of them and that so brings, far yeah and that brings forward the topic of sponsorship i guess in that nothing in this uh, press release makes it clear whether i whether ibm has sponsored this idc report i'm guessing in this case they haven't uh, it came up when we discussed the Radicati report um, about three or four weeks ago as well. So, again, I guess it, it all depends on whether customers recognise the fact that some of these reports are effectively written by the vendor versus being truly independent reports. I think that's true. And there's also a, uh, a question of um, where some people are just deeply suspicious of any of these reports, um, regardless of their provenance. So exactly. even if they're truly independent and all the rest of it, there's been so much kind of brouhaha over the years and i'm i'm not thinking of any one particular episode it, it happens all across the industry um that people really question the validity of any report however well-intentioned yeah i would just like to add on there too that um you know as a customer really we don't care if a product is the leader we just want it to work and do what we want it to do and and to be good you know it, it doesn't matter that a lot of other people bought it so, uh, you know, something like this isn't, isn't, again, as important to a customer, I don't think. Yeah, but as you say, it feeds in as an aspect of the, of the overall choice decision, doesn't it? And, and as Ben's already alluded to, if you're doing an RFP or ITT, I can imagine how that comes into the decision-making process. There's also one thing I think that got lost. I know Volker touched on it a bit, and that is the timing of the press release. When you, when you release a press release July 1st in the middle of a World Cup and right before July 4th in America, don't be surprised if nobody reads it. No, absolutely right. And, and, and clearly it didn't get big hits on Planet Lotus. It has been picked up by quite a few of the news agencies. I saw it on E! News and Network World and places like that. But, but very much just um, other people you know, quoting effectively from the report without adding too much in the way of, um, of discussion and, and interesting detail around it. So I guess, again, that feeds into, because it was, re- it was uh, released just before the holiday, I'm sure many of the journalists just thought, well, I'll, yeah, I'll put it out there without too much uh, discussion around it. Okay, and, and Darren, you've alluded to some of the discussions that have gone on on Planet Lotus uh, this week. Uh, there's been some interesting um, Rick Rowling from Volker and, and also some discussion from Vaughan Rivet and others around um, the, uh, the tag ASW, uh, which I won't explain here, but if you Google it, I'm sure it'll come up, um, and also paid for blogging and other topics. Um, something I, I'd like to pull out of, of, of all the stuff that's gone on this week is, and, and you know, all of us here are on Planet Lotus in one way or another, is, is do you think it shows a good side to our community? If, if you recommended a new customer or a new contact within your business to, to go and find out more about the Lotus community, would you send them to Planet Lotus and what does that say about us? Darren, do you want to lead off on that one? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I, I send all. Everyone I ever talk to, I tell them about Planet Lotus. If for no other reason then you know you're not the last boogie whip maker, which is what a lot of the opposing vendors would like you to believe. It doesn't matter what product you use. Um, so I think it's useful for a discussion. I think it does occasionally turn into a, a, a school pit playground. Um, I've never quite understood stood Rick Rowling. I'll, I'll just put that out there. And I love Rick Astley, so anytime I see Rick Astley, I, just have, I have a fantastic day. <laughs> <laughs> and ASW, I, I, I won't quite tell you what that means. But I think, you know, that there is a prevalence to put posts on Planet Lotus and try and get high click counts. And I may well be one of them that does that. But what I will say is whenever I tweet or send links to people, I never send them to the Planet Lotus link to my blog. I send them directly to my blog. And I think there's a lot of trying to get the highest hit counts so you always float to the top. I think that's, that's, that's a bad thing to do out there. 
paid for blogging, you know, I don't think you can do that. I have been paid to write articles in the past for O'Reilly's Java.net uh, site. But that was more of a of a, of a one way transaction. I said, "Look, I'm I'm thinking about writing uh, an article. What, what, what do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, if it's any good, we'll pay you five hundred bucks." Paid for blogging. I think you can't really do that because it's it's spur of the moment. It's it's what you're feeling, and sometimes you may not want to post what you're feeling. Um, but paying someone for it, you know, I think there's laws in the U.S. now that stipulate you have to say that, even if someone gives you a camera to review, for example. Or if Apple give me an iPod, an iPad, and an, an, an iTouch just to test for left-handed people, I would have to say that on my blog, hint, hint, Apple. Um, so there are rules and regulations now in, in, in the U.S. around that. And, and I think Vaughn Rivet, who was the guy that started this conversation, maybe has, has took his foot off the accelerator a bit. And I think he said, yeah, you know what, maybe this was just, it was just trying to get feedback. It's not necessarily an idea. That's my two cents. Ben, you're somebody who typically, you know, blogs with with your sort of personal views and so on. Would you be? Would you ever consider being paid for your blogging? Good lord, no! I mean, it's the the whole idea of blogging is exactly that. It's your it's your personal views. It's links that you found interesting. It's stuff that you've picked up. You you may want to review. You may want to disclose that you got something cheap or whatever, or that you were sent a book to review, and therefore you're reviewing it. I don't think things like that in and of themselves, um, you, you know, kind of uh, bring, bring your blog post down in terms of relevance and stuff as long as it's declared. I think when you get to the point of actually just doing paid-for blogging, well, that's it's not blogging. It's just writing a piece, whether it's an opinion piece or a review or some other kind of article. Um, it has nothing to do with blogging and just everything to do with bog-standard commercial writing, which is fine. Um, as long as it's pretty clear that's what it is. Um, you know, it's why we have columnists on newspapers who are online and so on and so forth. Um, the idea of just setting something up uh, to be a blog um, but everything's kind of placed or paid for is, is well, it's just a, a nonsense. It's, it's, it's not a blog. Um, so it's that kind of stuff that I think rubs people up the wrong way and it's probably because... Um, you know, we had these things like astroturfing, if you recall that term, and that you know this idea where I think it was Barry or someone from Silit Bang suddenly started popping up as a as a person commenting on people's web blogs. But it was all just you know quite cynical marketing, um, and people really don't react very well to that sort of thing. Uh, so I can't see the whole paid for blogging thing really kicking off. But then I'm. I'm kind of an old fuddy-duddy, so <laughs> what, what do I know? <laughs> so one of the questions I'd ask then is, is on Planet Lotus, one of the, the big things that seems to lead behaviour is the hot blogs. Do, do we yes. think that adds any value? Is, is that something that we, you know, that would be better off removed from that site? And do you think it would, it would then portray the community in a better light? I think some people do get a bit upset or a bit hot under the collar about the hit counts and what's hot, what's not, and all this kind of stuff. Um, I can see the arguments. I mean, Planet Lotus sits theoretically about this kind of big IBM Lotus community out there. And therefore, there's an argument to be made that um, uh, if, if your post or whatever is not ostensibly about anything to do with IBM Lotus, then it should be ineligible, for example, to go into hot blogs or, or something like that. Um, I can see the argument for that. Uh, then again, if you're just driving everything by these um, these metrics, you know, it's it's just like another day in the office, isn't it? It's it's a bit, um, you know, Planet Lotus is is about more than that. It is about this this idea of I hate using the term, but it is about this idea of a community and and all the rest of it. Um, and you get the ups and you get the downs. You get the personal stuff. You get the non-relevant stuff. Planet Lotus offers plenty of filtering and and uh, uh, personalised lists and things like that. So if anyone gets really baity about what's on there or what isn't, I think it's just time to uh, to step away from the computer. <laughs> go, go and do something else. Go for a run. I'm, I'm finding that very good. But very don't helpful. blog about it because, you know, that's not <laughs> Lotus related. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, the, 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 the idea of doing the um, – you know, the provocative, shall we say, post titles and all the rest of it. It's a tried and tested technique. Um, you know, our 
God bless them, our tabloid editors and so on use it all the time. And it's it's human nature that people are going to click on links about uh, <laughs> committing violence upon another person rather than an IBM report or, or whatever it is. Yeah, that's just human nature and uh, there's no point whinging about it too much. But uh, I still reserve the right to... Uh, to roundly abuse someone if they do do it persistently, you know, you just and you have to take it with a smile. I think. Of course you do. And and Chris, uh, yeah, you, you you work in a lot of social circles and and you know with your social geeks po- podcast and so on. You must see other communities forming around social technology and collaboration. Do, do you see any parallels in any other communities for for Planet Lotus? And is there anything that they do better than we do? I point people there as well. I ask them, you know, when we go to the Lotus events, I point people there. When I go to you know, Blog World Expo, and we're doing something with the social geeks in the social media realm. Um, there's no real portal for those, but you look at one of the aggregator services like Tulu that everyone that shares common threaded RSS feeds would get recommendations based upon other people using other feeds that you don't have. Meaning if, you know, you three used a certain feed that I didn't see, but we shared ones in common, it would say, hey, these three also read this, you should. Then you start getting into using the community to filter it. Um, Planet Lotus has a, you know, list everybody, get everybody on there. The problem is the main majority of readers of Planet Lotus are the writers of the blogs for Planet Lotus. It's slowly growing. It has grown over the years and it, it'll continue to grow as people point to it. But that's the major people that are reading it is once you get it listed, you, you know, you're reading it too. Uh, do you go for the hot blog status? I've never written for that status probably done something that would be considered ASW type posting, meaning uh, I know there's still people listening going, what are you talking about? People that want hits on their blog posts. And that's what titles are about. It's not just about getting a hit. It's about drawing attention to the topic itself. And sometimes you can go overboard with the, you know, with the title that you give it. That happens from time to time. We saw that recently. Uh, you know, I could write one today that said free Lotus software for everyone, you know, now through what date at this link. And you'd get Tons and tons of hits, but that's all it would be for. It would be for the content that was included itself. And it's hard to have a voice when you have 350 bloggers out there and have yourself seen and known and shown based upon the content that you have. That's one of the biggest things and hardest to do. And the general public has to be able to find you as well when they search. And that's the next biggest leap that a lot of people that are new to the blogging don't look at. It's not about Planet Lotus. It's about the whole web finding you when they search for things. Yeah. And, and I think it's it's still possible to rise up through the ranks pretty quickly. I mean, an example I, I pull out quite regularly is Peter Presnell, who is pretty new to Planet Lotus, but is already very well respected. And I think, you know, partly as a result, has got a, a, a new role this week as well uh, that's come through to some of the blogging he's done and, and some of the way he's written articles um, from a fact-based, content-based basis rather than, you know, but by necessarily writing provocative uh, titles to his posts. Well, and you brought up disclosure too, and that's a big thing that isn't done on Planet Lotus that I know in the social media world went around for a while as a big issue. You know, what you had to disclose, what you needed to put out there, uh, what you should be telling people about. And I did actually a disclosure page um, itself on my social networker one. I made a tab for it for disclosure uh, to cover myself as well. And I try to do it now in my posts on Planet Lotus. I actually think. I just did one the other day where I put some disclosure in there about it. You know, one, are you affiliated or not? Are you getting paid or not? Were you, did you receive anything or not? Uh, my disclosure that I placed out there for the social networker basically says, you know, I'm never paid for topic insertions, but there may be some form of um, a product that comes and then I'll write a review, good or bad on it. I've done that for a bunch of things that they send. Books are included. Um, you may get to a conference uh, for free based upon who you are, your status as a blogger, and you're able to write pretty much what you want. Uh, but I put that out there in advance, and I think a lot of people kind of overlook that. I know Tom Duff does a good job of – he buys or gets his books from the library, and he gives honest reviews, and he's one of the top 50 Amazon reviewers that exists in the world. So it's a fine balance between knowing what the rules are in the U.S., knowing what you can and can't say – and then knowing if someone writes only paid ones. I don't know anyone that only writes paid blog posts. I've seen it done, but not only paid blog posts. No. 
Okay, moving on to some articles then that have appeared on blogs on Planet Ledgers this week. One of the um, big news articles that came through Ed Brill's blog was a really good case study featuring Domino Wiki. Um, and we're fortunate to have uh, the author of Domino Wiki on the call, Ben. Uh, do you want to outline what that case study was and, and kind of where how they used Domino Wiki? Yeah, I'm, uh, it was a very pleasant surprise. Um, I thought Domino Wiki was dead and buried and uh, pushing up the daisies. But... Um, uh, it was uh, nice to see there's a, uh, a case study that IBM have published um, up on IBM.com. Uh, it was actually published, I believe, a couple of months ago. Um, and Ed, Ed drew attention to it in his, in his post. And it's, I think it was a timely post um, because, as we all know, there's been quite a lot of discussion over the past few months about OpenNTF, uh, specifically um, in terms of talking about uh, applications that you can run on Notes and Domino bundled applications, this whole idea that we need some out-of-the-box functionality for people to truly appreciate this weird thing uh, that is Notes and Domino. Um, so I think it was a timely post in, in that regard because it was uh, uh, talking about a partner who, who um, had a client that they wanted a, a site that could be readily updated and, and I think they decided pretty early on that they wanted a wiki. Um, and the partner ended up going to OpenNTF and, and browsing the projects and, and lo and behold, picked up on Domino Wiki. Um, they've made some fixes and made some changes, which is really what it's all about, um, deployed it, and the, and the client was very, very happy with it. Um, and this is great stuff to hear because um, I'm sure anyone can, can kind of appreciate it who's, who's knocked out a piece of software and put it out there. You tend to just hear the odd bug report or whatever, um, it's very, very rare to hear about the thing actually being used. Um, and so, yeah, that's quite heartening. Um, we've been lucky with Domino Wiki in that I've, I've got to see it implemented in a few places and it wasn't always by me, uh, in the UK. And I've also seen some other stories like this, um, sort of in the wider world. Um, and it's great to see. It's uh, it was a good post and a good, you know, a nice positive story to have in amongst, uh, all of our normal doom and gloom. <laughs> um, and, and OpenNTF has been in the news as well because there was a video that got posted to YouTube with a lot of the IBM execs praising OpenNTF. I think there was Kevin Kavanagh, Brent Peters and, and Ed Brill in that video. Um, and again, I think it all brings attention to, to what a great resource OpenNTF is. Did you see that, Darren? Yeah, it was It was actually came out a couple of weeks ago. I think you may have been on vacation, Stuart. Um, so. and, and, I, and, and I saw it. And I was kind of impressed. Um, you know, they just sat down at a cafe. I guess it was during D-Log, I guess. And, you know, they had a video recording of, of Brent Peters, who is one of the very high ups in the Lotus organization, along with uh, Kevin Kavanagh and, and Ed Brill, two of the people you probably know about. And, and it, was, it was good to see their uh, interaction and, and, and pimping, quote-unquote, uh, OpenNTF. And, and I just want to cycle back to the OpenNTF thing. You know, Ben's Domino Wiki has been de- downloaded over 14,000 times from OpenNTF. Um, and, and I think that says a lot for the quality of the software out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking at the download count now, 14,668. Um, and, and I think that says a lot for the quality and I know there's been a lot of, there was a lot of call over the years to get IBM involved and then IBM involved. And then there was a lot of calls for IBM to get uninvolved. But I actually think IBM's involvement is a better thing in OpenNTF. You look at stuff like the mobile controls that are out there that have been given by IBM. They're, they're phenomenal. If you're doing mobile development, you need to go out and just download the mobile controls for X pages and start writing mobile applications for BlackBerry, iPhone, and Android. And just do it. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And it's good to see IBM and, and the executives on movies extolling the virtues of this. Kathy, you're a developer. Have you downloaded stuff from OpenNTF or contributed? I have downloaded. I have not um, contributed. I'm, I'm a little bit too much of a newbie to feel secure enough in my code to, uh, to contribute. But I, I definitely have downloaded. Um, I haven't downloaded Domino Wiki, but I have downloaded stuff before and used it. And uh, yeah, I find it a great resource. I, I find it a little bit of, um, like many Lotus resources, a little underknown. That's not a, a real word, a real word. But uh, I came about it. I came upon it very late. 
in other words. I was developing for a while and could have used knowing about Open NTF a lot sooner. And I'm not, you know, I don't know how to fix that. You put <laughs> for, the link in designer. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Even then, though, I don't know. I don't know that you'd notice that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I st- I'm not sure that that would even help. I don't, I don't know what would help, but it's. I think that's the big hurdle but for for me. A personal um, pet peeve I have is like training for people for Lotus and just how to find stuff. And it's really hard to find stuff, including Open NTF. I think so. I was in in some discussions yesterday about a new. Um, a new sort of part of the Lotus website called Learn Lotus, which is all about videos and tutorials for that you can download or view online to help you learn, you know, notes and domino development, or to help you learn how to uh, use connections, for example. And and I know Joyce Davis and others have posted about this, but it's still very much hidden from the outside world. And I think one of the challenges IBM has is how to bring that kind of thing to the fore uh, so that more people do know about it. And, and maybe, as Darren says, it needs to be in the product. Maybe it needs to be just more um, you know, publicized as part of the Lotus literature. I don't know what the answer is there. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, it's actually something I've been kind of um, dwelling on lately in my mind, you know, potential blog post and all, but uh, it's something... It, I did a quick look and I forget the numbers now, but I just Googled for, uh, I think, Lotus Domino training and came up with something like 400,000 hits. And then I Googled um, Microsoft SharePoint training and came up with 4.3 million hits. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot more out number. It's a lot better known, I guess, as well. Right. And, that, you know, and I don't think that it's that much more market share. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I, again, I'm not sure what the solution is, but if if we're talking specifically about education, it's actually hard. We, we've we've looked several times over the years at becoming a Lotus education partner because we see the same thing. Customers will register for an event, a training event, develop admin, whatever, and then they get cancelled or they get postponed because there wasn't enough people register. And you have to jump through some serious hoops and drop some serious money to be a Lotus education partner. And that's, that's what stopped us. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm with Kathy and, and Stuart. I don't know how, how you fix that. And, and Chris touched on Implanted Lotuses. You know, how do you get the people to find you? And I think that's the problem. Why, why, isn't, why, why aren't IBM or the Open NTF Foundation, if they have the budgets, paying to have when you search on anything Lotus that open NTF is one of the sponsored links at the top of the page. Mm-hmm. Make a lot of sense. Is, okay, it, it, the question I, is where does that budget come from and, and who Ah, uh, you go, right? What budget, right? I don't have budget. I'm a non profit, whatever. Yeah. And I think it's it's a challenge that Lotus has or seems to have from the outside anyway, almost every turn is is you know, does IBM fund that as as a generic big IBM thing? Is it software group? Is it Lotus? Is it some part of Lotus that funds that kind of thing? And it's something that, you know, many of the other vendors that, that I work with, people like Jive and Socialtech, just don't have because of the size of those organizations. You know, it's still a small business with a small marketing department who can manage that kind of thing versus, um, you know, the, the, the big IBM, you know, business that, that finds it much more difficult to get that kind of thing going. I think the other thing with training and 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 picking up developers or administrators or or even sort of power users and and, and people like that is the entry point. Um, with Open NTF, yeah, one of the suggestions is you you link to it front and center in Domino Designer, which is a good one. Um, but we there's quite a fragmented offering on the IBM site in terms of going off and finding stuff out. So you you may hit Developer Works. Um, you may not. Uh, you may hit the Lotus pages and burrow through there, and, and good luck to you. Um, but it's really a question of, of kind of how do you say to someone coming in? I mean, we talk about new developers. I don't know how many of those really come into the Lotus Domino world, but it's there is that issue about where do you start? And Open NTF is a great start in terms of going to the code bin, picking up some of the templates, and actually having a look at how they're put together. I think most developers would would freely admit and, and and rejoice in the fact that they really got to grips with a, a new platform or language by pulling apart code and, and looking at it and kind of twisting it and making it do what they wanted it to do. Um, and so OpenNTF shouldn't be underestimated in, uh, as a resource to, to facilitate that. 
and I've just realized something. I don't even have a link to open NTF on my blog, and I actually have a project out there. Admittedly, I've got 14,000 less hits on my project <laughs> than Ben has. <laughs> um, but that's okay. I'm, I'm not bitter, Ben. Um, <laughs> so, you know, maybe the thing is, is I need to go back. Is, is there an open NTF logo? Do we know? But I could put them up. Yeah, I guess the domino, the point, the open NTF domino little symbol org. You know, maybe go strip that out, put it on the on the on the navigator on the right next to the Lotus Nose stuff, and maybe see if we can't drive some traffic that way. But but the, the, everyone's right. What do we do? And again, what can we do uh, w- w- without some quote unquote investment? Well, maybe that's a topic for a forthcoming podcast. We'll certainly do that. And I, I'm certainly going to add the OpenNTF logo to, to my blog as a result of this. I think that's a good idea. So on to other things that aren't particularly well known um, within the community. I think one of Lotus's most sort of unsung um, products is Lotus Protector, launched a couple of years ago at Lotusphere. Um, speak, you know, it's, a, it's a good product from a technical point of view, but I, certainly not particularly well known and, and well used within the customers I deal with. Chris, you've probably got as much experience with Protector as, as anybody has. How do you find it? Is it something you're using in your business and selling to your customers? Oh, yeah. It's an amazing product. Don't be mistaken. It, they bought it from ISS, so it was an established product. Lotus didn't write this uh, out the door themselves. So it had years of uh, you know, maintenance behind it, years of revisions. It had a lot of work behind it. Its hit rate on spam prevention is incredible out of the box. It does an amazing job. Uh, we love it. Um, you know, Pushing customers through it, we're uh, running it internally. It's now integrated with 851 right into your mail template through uh, Domino policies, just like it should be. Uh, we love the product. We just uh, ran into a recent snare. I've talked to the team. You've know, I've done a podcast when 2.0 came out, when 2.5 came out. We did the mail encryption. Uh, I was on the beta for all of the products as they went along as well. And so I can't say anything bad about its performance. We just hit a major roadblock in terms of what we do as a company and how it's deployed. And, and you blogged about that yesterday, I think. And, and it's it's all about the um, platform effectively is written to install on. Is that right? Is there only one yeah. brand of, of servers that you can install it on? Yeah, X-Series. So it's only IBM hardware. And, you know, it's no hidden secret. We're a HP shop. You know, we have been for the last 10 years. Uh, we do host a major amount of I-Series. We're probably one of the largest now for I-Series hosting. Sorry, kind of a plug, but not really. But we don't run a lot of other IBM hardware is the point. We don't run a lot of IBM servers uh, no, you know, no Dell or anything else unless a customer had a one-off. We do our own hardware. So it's all HP-based, and I went to install it, and for gosh sakes, the darn thing wouldn't install. Now, in VM, it's seamless. It's easy. It's quick. You pop it in. But the script that they ran for the ISO images, and then I had to go back because I emailed the team and said, what's the deal? They said, oh, well, it's only for x So that doesn't make sense. I'm running the hardware that could support SLES 10, which protector ISOs are based on for the Linux version, uh, just fine, but your image won't install. And they said, well, yeah, it, it won't install on anything but an X-Series. So based upon the RAID controller sets and the way they did it, they're actually writing back to the mount of volume, meaning when you do the install, it's looking for either the DVD drive or USB drive to install the code again instead of seeing the native disk drives. Even though it says they're there, it never sees them. So it will only work on X-Series. To me, it's kind of like buy hardware from us. Is when you know When you buy it, you better buy hardware from us too. And, and for memory, it's a pretty high-spec X-Series they recommend as well. Is that right? So yeah. I'm not sure it's particularly relevant to SMB at this stage, unless, as you say, you go with the VM option. Yeah, VM will go on anything. Go ahead, Darren. Yeah, and we, we've sold a few. We've sold all of these. Now, what I haven't sold yet is the appliance model because a lot of people are looking at – they have virtual infrastructures in their DMZ now. Mm-hmm. And so they like this because they can now VMware – they can virtualize their, their spam and antivirus email gateway protection. And I want to point something out. Lotus Protector itself is a product line. What we're talking right. about here is Lotus Protector for mail security, which is a spam and antivirus email gateway product. The other product in Lotus Protector, which is mail encryption, runs on any hardware. Uh, same, install, said, same install yeah. issues. The uh, same, it's the same script. It's the same script. We, we, can't, install it. we can't install it on HP either. Mail encryption? No. Yeah, we can't install it on HP either as an ISO image. In VM, it's fine, but as an ISO, it won't go. (laughs) Okay, because the specs are different on ME, so I need to to talk to Sean Brown. Um. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And we had the same problem. We had the same exact, same error, same issues, same everything. Um, Yeah, you're right, though. Protector is, sorry, is a product family. We're talking about mail security and the spam prevention stuff for those looking. 
Okay. And so something I'd be interested in is, is, you know, if I speak to you know, SMB customers and so on, they're all very much looking out to the cloud for their anti-spam and antivirus. You know, um, they use MailSweep or, or some of those other vendors that, that have cloud-based solutions. I mean, IBM has one as part of its global services offerings. So, Chris, it's, it's, what's your argument for using an on-premise solution versus a cloud-based one? Is that something you get into discussions about? We we get in discussions because of what we do. We handle all sides of it. You know, we handle Postini. We're a reseller for Postini. We handle on premise. Um, everything is. We could care less where it sits as long as it isn't on your mail server and preferably out on the edge somewhere. So sometimes we are the edge. So we can take a solution. And say, well, if we don't want it due to volume, we ship it to Postini and let them sit on the edge. But some people want full control over the device. Uh, you know, load balancing everything. So we, you know, we want to do a solution like this based upon the way we have so many customers and infrastructure and we're termination points for their networks and everything else. A VM solution just isn't the answer always. And a lot of people, oh, it's always the, no, it's not. We want a isolated VLAN hardware based, isolated in physicality, uh, maybe even isolated in a rack somewhere. They don't want to run VM. I need a solution and I'm not going to buy always the hardware that they're asking me to. And, and Stuart, you, you, you have a point, and that is who, who, who still does on-prem spam protection, I think is the question. Uh, and we have a lot of law enforcement customers, and they cannot, under any circumstances, let right. somebody else be their edge. Well, and let's of, take, take it a step further, Darren. We also manage and host a lot of customers that are based internationally, and you have to have a physical presence in certain countries based upon country laws like the Chinas and the Koreas and the others. They have right. to keep their mail on a mail server and the prevention in their actual physical country as well. So we have to have a presence there. Yeah, and, and, and the, the question around Lotus Protector being an appliance-based thing, well, that's worked many years for Barracuda, who is, who is probably the big guy in that area. Um, like Chris said, Lotus Protect for Mail Security is not a new product. It's an ISS integrated product that was previously called Preventio, I think. Correct, Chris? Correct. Correct. Okay, that was a Preventio product. Um, what, you, what we saw at Lotusphere, and I'm going to have a disclaimer here, I am a, I am a design partner on both of these products. So I think so is Chris, and I think Stuart is as well, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, what we saw at Lotusphere, and this was in a public presentation, wasn't it? It was a private DP was on their roadmap was a cloud-based solution for what I call MPLS, uh, Lotus Protective Mail Security. So I think one of the things they've seen is, well, we're trying to sell this on-prem spam-based prevention, but everyone has, a lot of people have cloud. How do then I integrate my Lotus Protective Mail Security, which has the plugins for Lotus Notes, which are very nice, by the way. How do I get that in there, but also still allow them to have cloud-based protection? So I think it's coming. I don't have a timeline. I think I saw on the presentation at Lotus Feet it was either Q3 or Q4 of this year. Um, beyond that, I've not actually talked to the product team to, to find out. Interesting stuff. Okay, well, let, let's move on again to the, uh, the next topic, which is around something that Darren and I have talked with a lot of guests about over the last few weeks, which is the App Store. Um, you know, we obviously have the notesappstore.com site that um, a, a third party has created. Uh, we also have the IBM um, and Lotus Business Solutions catalog, and that's had an update this week. Uh, it's now available at a simplest remember URL of catalog.lotus.com. Um, has anybody taken a look at that? And I'd be interested in your feedback, how you found that new site. Uh, yeah, I took a look. Um, it's uh, definitely an improvement on, a, on the usual IBM web offerings. Um, I've never been uh, shy about coming forward that I kind of think a lot of the IBM.com site sucks. So this is, uh, this is better. Um, Tell us what you really feel. I quite like it. I think they could, uh, there's, there's little quibbles. Like I think they could uh, lose the whole warning about using an unsupported browser. I mean, God, if you're using anything WebKit enabled, and a lot of people do nowadays, um, you're going to get this silly great yellow box. But the whole thing works just fine. Um, so they could they could get rid of that. Um, the thing itself is is yeah, definitely an improvement, um, but I can't say it. Uh, I was inclined to kind of get really <laughs> really deep into it. I was seeing lots of lots of the word widget on there. Um, and I tend to phase out when I see things like widget or mashup. 
Um, so I'm probably not the best test tester for something like this, but um, definitely a step in the right direction and a nice URL, you know, something that you can actually remember and give out to people, uh, which is always part, part of the battle. I was going to say, I perhaps sound like the world's most clueless customer, um, but I, I would venture to guess I'm probably pretty average. My question is, somebody who's not involved in you know, the community, who's not reading Planet Lotus, who's just a regular old customer, how do they even know this exists? Well, there's the question, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, how do they know? It, you know, you know it, it's not like I, as a customer, got an email from Lotus saying, hey, we've got this great catalog. You need to check it out. Maybe your, no your business partner would have known all about it, obviously, and, and would have uh, bought you a coffee and taken you through it, surely. Yeah, I, oh, I, right. I got an email as a business partner. It's, it's, it's a travesty that the customers don't see the same stuff I do. Yeah, right. It's I think that's certainly true. I think there's a, there's a lot of cases where we as business partners get a, a pretty long email once a week telling us about all this stuff, and I've never seen a, a similar email that goes out to uh, customers. Uh, I mean, in fairness, I, I don't think you could ever do something like that, um, apart, from any, apart from the sheer logistics of it. Uh, I think a lot of business partners um, uh, and other suppliers would just be up in arms, really, that, that these mail shots were going direct to their clients. Um, so I think that's, in fairness, a non-starter. I'm just being deliberately mischievous. Um, but it's, it does raise a good point. You know, as a, as a customer looking for solutions, that's, that's surely got to be an entry point. And how do they find it? And I haven't yet seen it linked from any other area of the Lotus site. So um, perhaps that's something that, that IBM should be looking at, whether it's linked, you know, at the top right or whatever of the Lotus.com site. It would be good to see. Yeah. One of yeah, the things that I worry about with that site is it's still hosted on the greenhouse. So it uses greenhouse um, authentication. And, and I think is, and I may be wrong on this, is subject to the, the usual sort of caveats with greenhouse that um, it's not necessarily 100% available um, because, you know, it is a testing and beta site. Uh, and so like that, yesterday. That concerns me. <laughs> like, like yesterday, I needed a, uh, a Lotus Connections quote unquote widget, and I hate that word as too, as well. Uh, and I needed it for demonstration, and I went out there, and, and the LDAP authentication was down, so you couldn't log in. So I couldn't download the the the, the quote unquote widget. So you know, I'm 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 with everybody here. I think it needs to be moved somewhere else. I think they need to get rid of the idiot authentication mechanism. There, why are you making me authenticate to, to download a plugin for whatever I'm plugging it into? Um, and and Kathy has probably the best point on here. I am a customer. How do I find out about this? If I don't know about anything else in the community, and Kathy, you're not wrong, 99% of the customers I talk about don't know about Planet Lotus and don't know about OpenNTF. That's right. just a travesty today, and that needs to be rectified. And on that note, I think we'll close off that discussion. I think a really uh, valid point, and I think it's something that, that we could look at in quite a lot more detail. So so moving on, um, Chris, you're involved pretty heavily, I think, in, in one of the upcoming Lotus user groups. Do you want to tell us all about that and when it is? Uh, we are talking about I am lug for those in the America's side. Well, actually, it's anybody in the world. We have people coming from all over again. So second year running. Uh, a North American user group gathering, sort of like what they do for UK Lug and iLug. Uh, this is I am Lug. Uh, we can discuss meanings of I am Lug later. Everyone keeps asking what it stands for for some reason. But generally, it's going to be August 2nd and 3rd uh, this year. It will be in St. Louis, Missouri, in the States again. So that's a Monday, Tuesday. So a lot of people come in early for the weekend to see baseball games, see the city. There's a lot here. Uh, it'll be another, I think this year again, another 20. 25 or so technical sessions, the keynotes by Doug Cox, uh, the VP of all support for IBM, support and development for IBM. Sorry, Doug. Uh, he'll be the keynote speaker. There's a Monday night reception. There are big sponsors. The biggest platinum sponsor is IBM themselves this year. So look for a lot of stuff from the IBM world. Uh, not a lot of sessions. We do not overcrowd it as mainly speakers that you know. The speakers list is up. You can see it's uh, Gab Davis, uh, Sean Burgess, uh, Kathy is speaking this year. Uh, Tom Duff will be there. Marie Scott's going to be there. Uh, the list goes on. When I say Francie Tanner, um, and then from IBM, Mike Masterson, Ed Brill is going to be doing his session again, his strategy stuff again, John Head. Uh, it just goes on. I mean, there's so many speakers, all top quality tech content, and it's free. Did I mention free? Did I say free earlier? 
I just want to, <laughs> want to make sure we throw the word free. It's totally sponsored. So everyone, all you have to, you know, if you're in the range, it's a flight in a couple nights, cheap hotel there. Oh, it's in an all casino complex downtown. So there's tons of entertainment, tons of dining and two days of high. We started at 8.30 in the morning and run all day. Three tracks, by the way, Admin Dev and one that I titled called I Don't Know Where This Fits. Um, <laughs> Which has been the same both years, and it, it, but every room was full last year. Um, Kathy attended last year. She, give it, you want to give a perspective on attendee last year, Kathy? That would be a better uh, thing than someone that helps organize. Yeah, no, it, I did go last year, and it was fantastic. And what I was actually going to say is it was my first um, user group type of conference, and it was really great because it's you know obviously smaller than, say, Lotusphere. Um, so it's a much more... Um, cozy isn't the right word, but it's a much more collegiate atmosphere, I guess. You know, all the speakers are sitting there having lunch with all the attendees, and there's not so many people that it's overwhelming. So it's really great. You get to feel like you can have a lot more conversation, um, talk to a lot more people. It's a lot more open and free that way. And free. You know, it's free and free. And Kathy was actually doing a running group in the mornings. Did you tell them that? Yes. I, I was last year. Yes, I, I'm, I'm toying with the idea this year. Little, little warm and muggy in St. Louis, but uh, I will be running. I, I run every day, so I'll be there. And, and we did. We had it was really nice. Started. I think two of us the first day, three people the next day, four people the next day, kind of thing. It was great. A lot of fun. You know, chit chat, make the run a little easier. What's your session on this year? Uh, my session is uh, the one um, with Tom. A little refresh of that: the top dev tips every Lotus developer needs to know. Yeah, we poke a little fun at each other, uh, throw a lot of tips out there. So we, we've had feedback has been even seasoned developers learn something new. So, Excellent. so, so Chris, I have a question. You're not on the how list. Much, oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> how much is it? How much? It's um, by the way. Let me look at the pricing. Free. There you go. <laughs> It's free. Second, but like I said, second year running, the sponsors are great. The sponsors are on the page. They're they're the what drives it all. Um, IBM came up this year as you know stepped up, but you can't beat it. Two days of it. It's like a mid year mid year Lotusphere in terms of the technical content you get, and that's the biggest thing. It's right smack in the middle. You're not going to see a ton of stuff that you're going to see at Lotusphere because they're going to make major announcements there. Oh, there is a sneak peek. Uh, the Snaps team always comes in full force. I think they bring four or five people, but they're presenting a session on Quicker 8.5 this year. Uh, they will. It says in the abstract, they will tell us as much as their NDA allows them to tell us, which usually means quite a bit. That'll be there also. Excellent. And you get a full refund if you're not satisfied. Is that right? If you're not, actually, um, if you didn't see last year, we had pictures up of our refund desk. It is actually the Mississippi River out front of the complex. <laughs> and you're welcome to wander down to the river at any point in time and ask for a full refund. But everyone needs to know it is only, what is it, four weeks away, three and a half, four weeks away. So uh, get on the site now. It's imlug.org. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. Um, okay, and as we always finish off the podcast, uh, we're going to move on to our tips now. Uh, everybody that comes on the podcast gets asked for a tip. It could be a product, a feature, an integration point, a useful site, or something completely different. Um, and so let's start with uh, with Kathy. What's your tip for today? Uh, my tip is um, sort of self-serving, but it's to follow at Notes Dev Tips on Twitter. Uh, Tom Duff and I put that together, kind of a takeoff on our session, actually. And we try to tweet out a tip for notice, Lotus Notes developers. Um, not every day or even every other day, but we, we tweet those out. And then also anybody who sends us a tip will retweet it as well. So there's been some good discussion on there already. Brilliant. It's really useful service. I'm, I'm uh, subscribed to that. I, I follow it. So uh, I recommend many other people do too, even as a non-developer. So Ben, uh, what, what, what's your tip for today? Uh, my tip for today is actually a software product. Um, a very quick disclaimer. I have nothing to do with it other than that I like it. Um, it's called Evernote. You can find it at evernote.com. Um, it's free. It uses ads, but there's a premium version. Um, it's basically a note-taking, clipping, store everything you like, tag it up, and off you go kind of solution. But it works uh, in the cloud uh, as a web app, but it also works on your Mac, on your Windows machine, iPhone, iPod Touch, your BlackBerry, your Palmos device, your Windows Mobile, and Android. Um, it's, it's excellent stuff. Uh, I really like it. It's just nice to have those pesky notes and things that I take everywhere um, and actually have them in my pocket or on my screen all the time. Very, very handy piece of software. 
integrates with webcams and all the rest of it so you can take pictures of things as well um thoroughly recommend it excellent i've used it has anybody else on the call used evernote i've tried it i couldn't make it stick but i see where it's a good (laughs) idea (laughs) there's quite a few note-taking apps um this is just the one that's stuck for me but yeah you're quite right there's a few out there and it's worth um it's worth trying them out much better than just having uh text files here there and everywhere which is which is how i used to work great thank you for that ben uh, and chris what's your tip for this week um full disclosure i am involved in my tip just so everyone <laughs> everyone knows what's going on now something uh it's going to happen after i am log it's not part of the free sessions but it's called tack it on and it's uh, three one day events that are coming up and everyone should be aware of because it covers a wide range so right after i am log takes place on that wednesday uh tack it on has Matt White's X Pages 101 seminar at a discounted rate for the attendees of IMLUG. So it's an all-day – these are all eight-hour, all-day events that take place. You have to pick one or the other. You can't intermingle them, though. Uh, so Matt White's X Pages 101 will be there. I believe Dave Leedy is going to help him out who, wrote, who writes the Notes in Nine uh, webcasts. Then Rob Novak's group snaps Julian Robichow. Julian's going to do his iPhone development seminar. It's an all-day event on developing – for the iPhone, well, iPad, iPhone, iPod Touch, whatever, but mobile applications for that. It's a, they've already done it once. I heard it was an incredible one as well as Matt's. And then another one will be kicking off for the administrator side, uh, a domino optimization tour, meaning instead of worrying so much about how to upgrade, how to migrate, what's coming, how to fix what you have now. So walking through optimizing all the different settings from you know agent manager, HTTP, mail flow, mail routing, every, all the way across policy management and getting everything in order before you even think about some of the upgrade stuff that's coming up. So that's uh, the day after IMLUG. The link is on the page as well as a tab on the IMLUG site, or you can go uh, straight to tackiton.com. Okay, and that's a chargeable session. How much is that, Chris? Uh, with the, If you attend IMLUG, it's four ninety five. Eight hours for four ninety five. Uh, I believe lunch is included, but if you uh, if you don't, I think it's five ninety five. But it's all that's on the site for everybody. Brilliant value. Thank you very much. And as with everything on the podcast, we'll have that in the show notes with a link to that site too. Darren, what's your tip for today? Disclaimer, my tip is me. Uh, kind of. Uh, yeah. in using, using the theory, you can never hear my voice enough. Um, <laughs> coming up next, I think it's Wednesday, the 15th. Anyone know when the 15th is? Is that Wednesday? Um, on on July 15th at 1 p.m. Eastern, we're having the latest in our series of webinars that's covering, covering the complexities of that domino licensing. Uh, the best part of these webinars is what do you get for free? So there's a ton of entitlements in domino that no one knows they have. Uh, also, what the PVU requirements are on different CPU architectures, virtualization, what the impact has, and the different types of licenses, and then a Q&A. And we're already getting questions via email for people who can't attend. Um, so it's, I think it's going to be one of the bigger webinars we do. Uh, there's a registration link on the STS page, and it'll also be in the show notes, and I think it's also on the blog. Brilliant. Thank you, Darren. So, uh, so that's on the 15th of July. Uh, my tip is, uh, and I'm afraid it mentions the word widget, Ben, um, it's the iWidgets within Latest Connections. It's, it's, in my opinion, one of the least used uh, sort of features and integration points within Connections. We've done quite a lot of it lately for our customers in terms of building bespoke widgets. They're very easy to build, um, you know, pretty straightforward to, to put together, but they can really enhance the uh, functionality within Connections. So we're doing things like allowing users to update their own manager, to add additional reporting lines, um, maybe RSS widgets to bring in feeds from other um, sites on the internet within that organization and so on. Um, it's really easy to do. Uh, you can use the um, Portlet Factory to do that or you can just build them yourself using Eclipse. So once again, a really useful way to add functionality at very little cost to your own connections environment. Um, and the great thing is because iWidget is an open standard, you can also use them in other places too, in Portal and various other uh, infrastructures. So yeah, take a look at iWidgets if you're a Lotus Connections admin or infrastructure guy. Really useful. I forgive you, Stuart. (laughs) Thank you, Ben. Uh, So that's us done for today. Uh, We'll wrap up just by going around the table one more time, asking how people can get hold of you. Um, So if you want to tell us your Twitter ID or your blog address or whatever, just feel free. Ben, do you want to start us off? Uh, Sure. My Twitter ID is Ben Paul. That's B-E-N-P-O-O-L-E. Imaginative name. Uh, The website is also benpaul.com, and very, very occasionally I write something on it. Um, 
yeah, so by all means, get in touch. Brilliant, Ben. Thank you. And Kathy? Uh, my Twitter ID is uh, KJBrown13, but I warn you, I'm a bit of a Twitter addict. So there's a lot of stuff on there that's probably not she's, at all She's a talker. She's a talker. <laughs> <laughs> and my blog is runningnotes.net. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And Chris? Uh, mine's pretty easy. I do notes all together, one word, on any and every network imaginable. I think Stuart can vouch for that. Yep. Uh, the blog address is idonotes.com. Any social network is idonotes. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, I don't care. It's all idonotes. Um, if you can't find me, you have serious, serious search issues. <laughs> My great regrets is I didn't pick a name as unique as I do notes when I started on these social networks because it just makes life so much easier. Do you You're have right. any blogs, Stuart? Uh, w- one or two. <laughs> you can find them on the show notes. Uh, and Darren, you go next. How do people find you? <laughs> Blog.darrenduke.net is obviously the blog. And Darren Duke, all one word on Twitter. Incidentally, some uh, some web filters seem to think because my name is in my blog, it is a personal blog. It is not. There is no personal content on the blog at all. It is all technical. Excellent. That's, a good, that's something I can vouch for. Really good blog, really good to read. And, of course, it's on Planet Lotus as well, as we mentioned today. Uh, I'm Stuart McIntyre. You can find me um, at Stuart McIntyre on Twitter uh, or at collaborationmatters.com in various different forms. So, um, once again, thank you all for taking part. Thank uh, all the listeners for downloading and listening and subscribing to the podcast. Uh, please do give us your feedback. We'd love to hear more via the uh, blog at uh, thisweekinlotus.com and also on our Facebook page as well. Just search for This Week in Lotus. So until next Friday, thank you very much for listening. That's all for now. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Moo.com, the home of the finest custom business cards, mini cards, postcards and much more. For more information and for details of exclusive promotional offers, browse to... This week in Lotus.com. Moo.